Today on the show, the one and only singer-songwriter Jill Phillips stops by, so get excited. It's episode 49 of Who Writes This Stuff? Hey guys, it's me, Nick Flora. This is Who Writes This Stuff. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for being engaged. Uh, thank you for jumping into this lake reservoir that we call the podcast. I don't really understand what those images mean, but you know what? I'm going with it. I'm really excited. This is a really fun episode. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of who Jill Phillips is or not. If you're not, um, I don't even know where to start. She's amazing. She's a great singer-songwriter. She's been in the business for a long time. She's been uh, writing for a long time. Very wise person. Uh, Jill and I got to know each other. We, we've known each other just from mutual friends for a while, but we really got to know each other well at the uh, Under the Radar Escape to the Lake that uh, that took place earlier this summer that a bunch of us were involved with. There was a live podcast uh, done there, if you'll remember. But uh, Eric Peters was there. John Trost was there. Andy Golahorn, who is married to Jill Phillips, was there. Anyway, if you have a chance to go next year, you definitely should. Uh, we all played music and hung out with our families, and it was wonderful. And uh, Jill and I got to know each other a little bit better there, and I knew instantly from just hanging out with her a little bit that she had to come on the podcast. She's such a delight and uh, and a, such a good voice, such a good artist. I'm, I, I love Jill Phillips, and I will gush about her all I want, darn it, because she's great. And uh, so... <laughs> I, I did want to say um, thank you to everybody who came out to my shows this past weekend in Springfield, Ohio. Had a great time with uh, Mr. Rick Lee James, friend of the show, who uh, runs the great uh, podcast Voices in My Head. If you guys haven't heard that one, uh, I would say that it's sort of a, a companion podcast to this one. So if you want to search Voices in My Head uh, with Rick Lee James, great guy, doing some great stuff out of there. Um, also, I played a, an, I played a wedding and outside of Detroit, Michigan, in Auburn Hills, Michigan, and uh, I I wasn't quite sure, you know, what to expect because the the wedding wasn't at like a typical church or anything like that. It was actually in a car museum. It was in the Chrysler Car Museum. Um, so the wedding took place outside on this back patio, and I guess they do have events and stuff here. But it's this amazing, amazingly beautiful grounds as far as you know a place to have an event. Um, you know, just lush greens and, uh, it was just beautiful backdrop for this type of event, uh, for a wedding. And then you get there and you sort of see, uh, the, the, uh, potential. So I played, uh, this wedding, I played as the, uh, was it the pro processional? That's the one where they walked down, right? Yeah. I played the processional as the, uh, the bridal party and the bride walked in. Um, and then I flipped over after there was, after the, uh, the, I can't think of words after the uh, ceremony was over and I flipped over and became the wedding DJ for the actual reception, which is really fun. Uh, I only get to do it a few times a year is for friends or friend to friends, but um, I love DJing weddings. Uh, it's, it's just sort of a, sort of a fun thing I started doing in high school, just DJing parties and stuff. And then I just uh, started, picked it up fairly recently, but the inside the actual car museum is where the reception was. So all around me, if you follow me on Instagram, there's a, there's a picture of it. So all around me are just these cars in pristine condition from everywhere from like turn of the century, all the way up through the ages to, to right now. And, uh, the, some of them are just like hanging freeform in the air, like on these like airlifts. And, uh, so there's like three stories in this building. And at any point in time, I was expecting cars to fall on top of me. Cause I'm just, <laughs> I have the thing in my head where if anything bad can happen, it probably will. Uh, so especially when there's, you know, something that is two tons above my head, I'm like, that thing's going to fall. I just know how gravity and science works and that thing's got to fall. Um, but, uh, it didn't. And, uh, it was actually one of the most fun I've, I've had, uh, playing a wedding, really great people. And then, uh, on Sunday I, I left a little bit early and went to, uh, since Detroit is Motown, I went down and visited the Hitsville, USA house where uh, Motown wasn't created, uh, was where where Motown came from, uh, the, the sound, the music, all of it. And uh, it was very surreal to stand you know, on this porch next to this door. I didn't get to go inside. It was closed because it was Sunday morning. But just being on the grounds where, where some amazing music was made, you know, everybody from Stevie Wonder to the Jackson 5 to... Uh, 
you know, Diana Ross and Smokey Robinson and just all, all these legends just to stand on, you know, walk around, especially it being Sunday morning. Something about it being Sunday morning felt appropriate. You know, it, it really did feel like hollowed ground. It really did feel like something special. And uh, I really do. I, yeah, there's just something about, you know, things like that, that, that really it, it gets me. And I think just because music means so much to me and a lot of this music, Motown specifically, is such a big part of my musical upbringing. Uh, it was a really cool experience uh, just to be there. And so, and the whole, and the neighborhood kind of looks the same as it as it I would imagine it did then. And a lot of the the businesses that are around there have been around there have been there since like 1919, and so you know that they they were there when all this was happening. Such a cool place, really fun weekend. Uh, this uh, not this coming weekend, but the weekend of October 4th, uh, I'm playing a show in Little Rock, Arkansas. I don't know if any of you guys out there are from Little Rock, but if you are, I hope you will come. I'm playing at Mugs Cafe. Uh, which is a, a new-ish venue uh, in North Little Rock. So um, sort of one of the first shows that they're they're showcasing there. So if you guys want to come out to that. Um, and then also, October 11th, I'm playing in St. Louis at a house show. Uh, October 12th, I'm playing in Indianapolis. And then October 19th, I'm playing in Raleigh, North Carolina, as well as uh, that following Sunday, the 20th of October, in Chadburn, North Carolina. I think that's how you say it. Chadburn? Chadburn, maybe? I don't know. Uh, October 25th, I'm playing in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, actually, Edmond, Oklahoma. It's all around there. And then October 26th, Nixa, Missouri, at Walkabout Coffee. So anyway, if any if, if you're listening to this before any of those dates, uh, I would love for you guys to come out and, uh, and, and see a show and hang out a little bit. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, anyway, if you would like to email this podcast, let's get the business out of the way, folks. Uh, who writes the stuff podcast at gmail.com is the email address, or at who writes pod on Twitter, who writes the stuff on Facebook. Uh, you know, I think you know the you know <laughs> by now. If you leave iTunes reviews, uh, we'll say your name out loud on this podcast. There hasn't been any since the last one, and that's okay. Um, but iTunes reviews are actually really important because if you leave a review of the podcast, it helps iTunes know we're here and and possibly get featured. And uh, more people who listen to similar podcasts will know that we are here. And uh, that's sort of the point. I want I want a lot of people to join in this conversation with us. Um, this sort of feels like I'm I'm doing this out of. Uh, you know, just sort of like on a ham radio, just sort of going out of frequency to uh, a small amount of people. But um, I'm okay with that. I, I really, I really enjoy the community that has come up around this podcast specifically. Um, also, if you would like to help the podcast in a very real way, um, all this, all the podcast is, it comes out of my pocket. And uh, but if you would like to help donate um, to this podcast, you can do so uh, by going to the podcast blog and clicking donate on the little paypal donate link and anything you, you have to give whether it's one dollar or ten or fifty or whatever is appreciated and definitely helps 100 percent goes to making sure more episodes can come out as far as buying bandwidth and space on the site to put this out so that's it that was relatively painless um anyway so jill phillips is on the show and like i said um i love this episode it was so much fun uh she invited me over to her home um a lot of times uh people come to me but this just worked out where it was easier for me to go to her. So uh, this is in me and Joe Phillips uh, living room. And uh, we talk about a lot of really interesting things uh, as far as the music industry goes and just being an artist in general and, and what it means to be an artist. And uh, I really got a lot out of this personally. And I, I really think you will too. And just how delightful and funny Jill is too. Uh, so if you haven't heard of music, it's all over the place. Just search Jill Phillips and you'll find it. And uh, well, I don't want to talk anymore. Let's get on to the conversation with me and Jill Phillips. So if this goes short, then we'll know. know. It's bad. It's bad. I know. We should give a high sign or something. You just kind of scratch your head. We'll be like, okay. (laughs) If you just need to abort, 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 let's get over. No, that's great. I appreciate you doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I have anything interesting to say, but that's great. Well, that's my job then. Okay, good. To bring it out of you. And and unfortunately, I I tweeted out this morning, or on Facebook, you know, as you do. Uh, So a couple people want to have some questions they wanted you to answer okay. so there's always that i was like if if we run out of things the internet always has things they want to know about you let me guess is it is it uh-huh. how do you be a mother and be a musician is that how it is that one <laughs> let of the me questions look, let me look. yes that is one of the- <laughs> 
That <laughs> is like the question. I know. I when I had when Sandra came on, same question. Yeah. When Lee Nash came on, same question. Yes. Um, and she just has one. It's like twelve. It's like subst- yeah. Like, like it, that kid's like working a job. I like, know. She's like it's it's easy. <laughs> right. We hang out. Yeah. I just love it because that's all. It's like people are so mystified. What are what? Can you guess another one? What what's a question? Another question that you get a lot because you you are you. Um. Well, if I'm at a conservative place, it's why did you keep Phillips? Like why are you Jill Phillips and why instead of oh, okay. instead of Jill Gullihan. And then it's, um, what are the, some other ones? That's not completely un... No. Like, people do that all the time. It's a, Well, it's, and it's just for music. So I'm right. just like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just for music. And you like, were performing Everywhere else where the Gullhorn, before. Yeah, before we're married. And, sure. You know, it's like an easy question, but it really perplexes people. And then um, another question I get a lot. Shoot. Um, there are everyday people who don't change their last name when they get married. I know. I think they think it's sort of a feminist statement. Oh. And so I have to kind of, for like really conservative people, I just have to kind of reassure them. Like, mm-hmm. Look, this is just what <laughs> It's it a is. professional This is what choice. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. What's the other one? Because I want to I wanna avoid all of these questions. Of- <laughs> no, it's really fine. No, no, no. No, no, no. It, like, it's it's really fine. Like, what what is the other one? There's I'm been sure. a few. There's a, there's a couple just kind of. Typical. Like it's it is funny uh, to to because I always just if I think about it we'll put it out like hey I'm talking to so and so any questions and Absol- what comes first the it. music or the words like, yes yeah well and I don't mean to sound like I, I'm happy I'm no, really no. happy to answer you don't come it's off just, like that it's all. always yeah that's always the question it's like how do you do it and I always get it on Christmas tour what I usually get on Christmas tour after the show is so who's got your kid who watches your kids. <laughs> When you're, I think maybe I yeah. told you this, but yeah, it's who's got no, your no. kids when you're away, and that no, was one of the questions. Ever that asked, was one of the questions. Somebody asked. Nobody ever asks the men. Never, 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 never do they look at them and say, "Who's got your kids?" But they're so concerned. I mean, literally, they come to me and there's like concern in their face for my children. And they're like, "Who has your children?" <laughs> if you will have them. I'm like, trust me, they're okay, and I'm way more worried about this than you are. So yeah, you know. That's, yeah, that's always... It's such an interesting thing, like, even in 2013, how how the sort of uniform jobs of the men and the women yeah. will always sort of remain even I underlying. Know. And I now know. it's sort of, like, asked sort of backhandedly. Yes. like Or like, either, like, yeah. hey, like, I don't, like, you don't say it... They probably won't say it as loudly right. as they normally would. Or, they, or they'll have, like, a backhanded compliment sort of way. Like, it must be amazing to be able to do this and be a mother. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I feel like I understand, like I understand why people ask because it's really complicated and it is very, sorry, should we, do, do you want me to start, or is this, no, you're fine. okay, I feel, like, I understand, like I think it is complicated and all my friends that I talk to, it's complicated, like Sandra and I talk about this a lot, well, I talk with Sarah Groves about it a lot. Um, Even Ellie Holcomb apparently just now, like started, like she just had a kid. Yeah. And she's already being, like, she's Drew, already being Drew nice. said something about that, yeah, like, yeah. like How six weeks later, like. How are you going to do this and be, you know, I know. like, really? And it's, comp- I understand because it is hard and we, ha- we do have different, um, there are different jobs that I have with the, with the kids that I feel like when I'm gone, things sort of fall apart a little bit. <laughs> and I don't mean that arrogantly. It's just like, there's some, there's something there when I'm like caring for my kids that when I'm not there, I realize that I am costing them something. Right. I get that. Sure. It cost me something to leave them. And so we call it, the Andy and I call it the marriage tax or the family tax. It's like, what is worth it to mm-hmm. leave? Mm-hmm. And so we have to have a certain standard of what is worth it to leave. Because I get it. You know, it's not like I do this nonchalantly like, hey, I'm a woman and, you know, F you. I'm going <laughs> to leave my kids. You know, it's not like that. I, I get it. You I've guys fend for yourself for dinner tonight. Mommy's right. got to go. I've thought about all the things that they're asking. And I think... I think I would just say that is just the, really the dilemma of any working woman is yeah. like they have to deal with this and what, like when to go and when to stay. And, and Well, Andy even said off. when he was on, on a few weeks ago, um, like he said that, because uh, I was asking him about bad shows, which mm-hmm. I'll ask you a little bit later. We always end the show talking about like hilariously embarrassing or TV shows? Or awkward. No. Oh, bad shows performance. performance. Shows. We, oh, we totally talk TV shows. I thought uh, I was that. I was, because <laughs> I love hearing like, 
I feel like it unites us as musicians to Absolutely. talk about like, awkward onstage moments. Absolutely. But he was like, well, and he was like, there really hasn't been any for a while because you have to make it worth it. Like you cover yeah. the, and the longer you do it, you cover those bases before you even yeah. you know, touch the car to leave. Yeah. You make sure that all these things, you know. Yeah. And I was like, that, that's a good point. Even for me, like every once in a while, I might I'll be like, well, I didn't check all the boxes I should yeah. have before booking the show. Now I'm realizing that. But right. it doesn't happen as often. It doesn't happen as often. You, you do have That's to make right. sure it's worth it. That's right. Because the more is at stake than like, whoops, guess we're only getting paid in sandwiches tonight. Like That's you can't right. be that way anymore. You've got a kid. You really can't, you, yeah, you can't right. be that way anymore. That's right. If you every time you leave that door, you have to make sure that there's something I, that is going to benefit everybody in the end. Absolutely. I heard Andy Crouch talk about that, and I really respect him a lot. He's this incredibly godly man. He's an incredible speaker, kind of like theologian he's I think he's the executive editor of Christianity Today and he was just saying like what is it that yeah he just said that very thing of just like I'm not I'm not apologetic to say I will leave for these conditions and they're not like unreasonable they're just like I have two children for me to leave my family it can't be and then I can choose the things that I want to give to like IJM or whatever I choose those accordingly but if I spread myself too thin I'm not doing anybody any favors you Mm -hmm. know so. Have you read and or listened to the audiobook uh, for Tina Fey's Bossy Pants? Yes. Yeah. I did I did both because yes. I, I, it was a buy one, get one free. And the audiobook is amazing because she reads it. But, oh, I would love to hear that. It's incredible. It's seriously a six-hour... It's Tina Fey just talking That would talking be worth it. That would be worth it. And you, and you get the you know the undertones of the sarcasm that she has or just anything, you know, like just yeah. her sort of... It's, her delivery is so good, but... She, talk, she talks about that so much, about how she's constantly asked that. And she's like, really? Why don't you just ask about, like, the work that I'm doing? Or right. why is it always, how does she do it? She's like, I hate that, that right. question. Because, I mean, like, yeah, she said the same thing. Like, no men ever get asked, how do you do it? Because no. the question is, oh, you, you hand it off to your wife. That's right. Like, that's how you do it. That's right. And it's and it's sort of it's sort of a double standard. It's, like, kind of unfair, but. I know. You just, women have been dealt just just a hand, Gail <laughs> Phillips. I know. Just well, they have enough. They have their own issues, but um, but yeah, I just knew that would be one of the questions. That's totally, what I was, totally. It was exactly yeah. Like I said, it was the same thing when when Sandra and Sandra kind of you know she's a sweetheart and will grin and bear it, but she's like, well, you know, uh, nobody asked Derek that, but that's yeah, <laughs> she's great. She's oh, great. Oh yeah, she's awesome. Uh, do you you and but you and Andy go out a lot. Together, do you play more shows together than you, than you do separately? Would you say? Um, more shows together than we do separately. I don't know. Probably not. Any, oh, you mean me? For me right. in particular, mm-hmm. I don't usually do shows without him. Really? I've done a handful of them over the years. Like, um, yeah. I mean, there. But in general, we usually travel together. Yeah. And maybe that's going to have to start changing um, now that he's doing more. But I feel like. Um, yeah, I feel like what it looks like now is maybe in a month, he might be gone every weekend of the month, and then two of those weekends, we'll be doing shows together. Mm-hmm. And then two, maybe three, he'll be doing his own stuff. Mm-hmm. Or maybe go out on a show with Andrew Peters, and that's right. kind of what it looks like right now. I just always wondered, like, you know, if I was married to another artist and it was that way, like, how many, like, what I feel like, no, oh, I want my own, I'm kind of on my own thing. Yeah. Like, let me kind of do my own, like, what does it always have to be with this? <laughs> as much as you love him. I don't feel that way. I, I think that... It's helped to have two separate, um, to do our albums separately. Mm-hmm. That feels like enough of a separation to me. But I really feel like, and I think it's just my personality, I really enjoy having him out there with me. I feel like um, it really helps me just to have another person that knows me so well, that know like, right. we, we don't even have to talk about um, about expectations for the show or like, uh, you know, where to get a meal, any of that. It's That's just like so we good. just so That's know so how to communicate um, what the other needs and, and sort of being out on the road. And, um, one, and of my, also, one of my favorite like, things about being on the road by myself is that I don't have to check with the van on where we're going to eat. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I would say that. And, you know, right now we have we have three kids, so it's uh, it sort of feels ni- almost like a date to go out That's for a weekend and, ha- and like, Good point. You know, have a great show and then go out to, like, have dinner afterwards. It feels like, mm-hmm. all right, this is our chance to connect. And he's on the road a lot. And um, so I, I really feel like, you know, after 15 years of doing this, we're just sort of getting in the groove of, like, yeah, I think this is how we're supposed to do this. I think mm-hmm. maybe this is what we're supposed to do. 
you know, and in 10 years that could look totally different. But for right now, yeah, um, it feels it feels like we're sort of in a rhythm with that. There were people that a heart could ever hold, more places than you could ever see. The scrolling list of nature's grows and goes, 24 hours, 7 days a week. Cause we think about so much, and do nothing at all. Afraid that what we have to give is so small. You don't have to save the world, all that hero talk is only superficial stuff. I want to go back a little bit. Yeah. We're, you're from Virginia, right? Yeah. I'm from Chesapeake, Virginia. You don't have an accent. I'm curious about this. What is the... Is there a Virginian Do I have any accent? accent no. Well, my dad... My dad has a real Southern... Had a real Southern accent, and he... His family... Um, I mean, you would not even be able to really discern what my grandmother's even saying to you. She says... She signs off her messages, Love you, Jill. Love Grandma B. She, like, signs them <laughs> off like a letter. Um, and that's how they all talk. He's from Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, from Eastern North Carolina. And, okay. Um, they have a real accent. And then my mom is from the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And there they have this really strange, um, it's almost like, uh, I think the people that settled there were sort of, had sort of like a Cockney British accent. It, it's really strange. Like, they'll say fight instead of fight or it's like there's just a little residue of some of that in there um so i've heard that the um Br- southern accent is the closest to old british like the way that we yes. think old british is very like the way the queen speaks but that's yeah. not the way like cockney is actually really close to yeah. the southern accent so yeah uh and 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 you know, in Dickens' day and everything, Cockney was, if you spoke Cockney, you were considered to be, you know, ill-informed, very uneducated, huh. sort of lowbrow. So it sort of is interesting, which is why there's a lot of British actors that play Southern people on television, like on Walking Dead, True Blood. There's so many of these that come in because they can slide into it really easily. Wow. So That's really interesting. It, yeah. It's always interesting to me, especially because we view things through, you know, our lens of the 21st, 20th century, this kind of... but. You know, things have evolved, especially the way, like, accents and stuff is especially really interesting. That's why I love, like, anytime I go down to, like, New Orleans or something and you hear people speak, you're like, that's the way they spoke, like... A long time ago. A long time ago. Like, you guys have left. Like, your family tree might not have many branches. (laughs) You guys haven't left for a while. Yeah. I I think the town she grew up in was a lot of fishermen and, um, you know, I mean, they were people that were sort of the working class. Mm -hmm. And, um... So yeah, I think it's really interesting. I don't know what her accent is either. I'm some I'm sort of somewhere in between. When I go back to Roanoke Rapids, I I definitely slip back into that. Andy right. will laugh and he'll go, "You're sort of putting on your Eastern North Carolina accent." Right. But yeah, I think there's sort of does any of that come from traveling a lot too at a younger age and sort of. Uh, for me, I was, I will say like, mm-hmm. I grew up in Southwest Arkansas. My family is from the Midwest though. So I sort of had, yep. or all, all those things are sort of like, I, I didn't want I don't hear as, it in you. I don't no, hear I don't. in you. I, and it's just become normal now. I just have a, a sort of, I wanted a non-regional dialect. Yep. Just like a good local TV anchor. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's what yeah. we, that's our like, uh, plan B. Yeah. For a job. Yeah. <laughs> if, if anything falls apart. <laughs> I can always work with Channel 4. We can report on, like, dogs or wolves getting loose in uh, terrorizing neighborhoods. I know. Do you ever do, do you ever do like, local TV stuff or anything like that when you go on the road? I, I try very hard not to. I really do. <laughs> I've been asked to do it occasionally, and I just think, there's nothing good coming of this. Mm, nothing not. good no. coming of this. I just don't. I think I used to feel like I had to do everything when I was with the record label. I yeah. did everything that they asked, and now I just... Andy talks about it sort of as being the frame where you um, do best or the frame that sort of fits what you do the best. And that is just not it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think what, what I do, like sort of the storytelling, singer-songwriter, really translates on like um, yeah. 
a morning TV show or something. I know. I, I just I just did a couple of them in Arkansas where I grew up. That's the only place I'll do it because yeah, honestly, yeah. for my extended family, that's the only way that they will see what I do is legitimate. <laughs> if I'm standing next to the meteorologist that yeah. they've grown up with. Yeah. But it is a very specific... And I don't. I'm always. I would never know what song to play because my stuff is becoming more and more like that too. Where it's like you kind of need a story before this is, you know, going to make sense or mm-hmm. or any. So it's just sort of a. I don't have like a, like it's eight in the morning. Let's get this thing. Like I don't. I, nobody would set my song to wake him up in the morning. On I don't know. <laughs> you have like some pretty catchy, happy I, songs. Perhaps, perhaps. But I feel like the. I'm sort of going into a place more of like the the song like I really love being like a performing songwriter instead of just like you know like an, yeah. a pop artist or whatever it, or whatever it is I like yeah. the songwriter like the guys that I like are songwriters right so well and I don't I don't mean to like thumb my nose in a snooty way at, at that I think oh no I don't um, think it comes off you like know that we've done we've done plenty of that over the years I think now I've just kind of like what we were talking about earlier I've just um, learned to say I think that this would suit me well I think you would probably find somebody a lot better for this over here. You know, just mm-hmm. kind of knowing where uh, your strengths and weaknesses. And that's hard because a lot of times when you get to that point, you can feel like self-deprecation. Like you're no, you're great. You're just being self-deprecating. But it's also, but that's also the same muscle used to. No, like I know who I am. I know the artist that I am. And you know, I really do know like where I fit and where I don't, which is yeah. a sign of maturity. Because, you know, I remember being in bands early on or starting to play music and we just wanted to do everything and play sure. everywhere. And and there is sort of, there's a part of that for me still where I can do like a house show or I can play a coffee shop or I can play a traditional venue or a church. But there's still, the, and there's a through line through all those places. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm not going to play a three-hour cover set at a bar or something, you know. Right. <laughs> Which is nothing right. wrong with that, but I just don't, I don't know if that, that would really fit with what I I think, you know, doing that is how you figure it out. Like, that's how everybody starts out. It's just kind of doing everything. I've heard Andrew Peterson tell people that. Just do everything when you start out. Just figure out who it is that you are and what it is that you do. And I think that only comes in time and then really through failure Mm -hmm. and going, ooh, I was really terrible at that, like, youth thing. Right. You know, for whatever. Disciple now. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they need somebody else for that, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there there are many like periods in your sort of career and stuff where you thought like, Oh, this is who I am now. I guess this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then that, that would shift and change mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. I think as we, as we change, you know, our music changes and what we do changes. And I think that's really comforting. I love to watch, um, people who are doing, who have been doing this for decades and decades and it just changes and it sort of evolves with them. And then they, their records get even more insightful and, mm-hmm. and, and better. And I feel like that when I look at like Neil Finn's music, I think, man, this guy's like in his fifties, he's making the best music of his career, you mm-hmm. know? And that's really inspiring to me. That's, in, that. that's insanely inspiring. Cause I feel like I'm always worried that I'm going to hit this point, tipping point where I'm like, maybe I'm not, you know, it's always when I'm in the, in the thick of it, like writing a record and everything, everything's so fresh and kind of raw, and I don't know if this is this any good. Is this anything? Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been doing it for so long. Maybe I got you know. Maybe this is the point where I start heading downwards, and I just become irrelevant or whatever. Yeah. At thirty-one, this is going to be it for me, kind of thing. I know. But then I you see guys like that, that or even like Paul Simon, like that last record he Paul Simon put out. I was just like, are you ki- kidding? <laughs> Some of those songs in there are the best stuff I think I he's ever written. Well, and it makes sense that it would be that way. It's only our society that sort of says. People who are young understand it all. And mm-hmm. the truth is we need people in every generation writing songs. You also don't want to be like, oh, young people have no place writing music. Like, you need to write honestly for where you are in that, in your place in life. You know, um, my songs in my 20s, I was writing exactly what I felt in my 20s, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't think it's good to look back and sort of like sort of mock that stuff or you know you just sort of hold it loosely and go yeah that's who I that's who I was in and that's what I was writing and here's what I'm writing now and in 10 years I'll probably be writing something different mm-hmm. and um, that's sort of the the beauty of be, of doing music for a lifetime um, I wish that our society let more older musicians um, be successful but um, yeah that's true there's not a lot of late bloomers who you see come up and, and are sort of accepted. I think Patty Griffin started a little mm-hmm. bit later. Yeah. 
But, but even still, she's sort of on the fringes. And I think that's sort of where the best art is getting made right now, is sort of on the fringes. And that's probably, maybe that's the way it's always been, you know? Maybe it is, yeah. I never really thought about that. I mean, the Beatles, you know, there there are exceptions to the rule. But I think these days, we're just living in a society where there's so many options, where something like that, where it captures the whole nation at the same time, um, is probably not going to happen I don't again. think that can happen again. Because really, at that time, specifically... I mean, you have to take it in for what it was. There really were only a few different tunnels that That's right. that we could get things through, and yeah. the, you know, it was radio and television, yeah. and that was that was kind of it. Yeah. And and there was only three stations yeah. <laughs> on or whatever on television, and so it, you could absolutely. That's why I, you know I, I listen to a lot of or, and read a lot of books and listen to a lot of like interviews and stuff with uh, older uh, like actors and comedians and stuff. And they're like, yeah, like old. There were some comedians who literally went on Johnny Carson and the next morning their lives were changed yes. because everybody was watching. That's right. You know, but now it's so distracting. And it's, it's and I, even when I started playing music and I'm, I, which hasn't been that long, which just shows you how fast the internet sort of changes yeah. even in itself. Absolutely. Like I, there was only a few different ways. Social media wasn't a thing when I started playing. Me so it's just sort of like, you just had a website and that was even, you like, didn't have a website when I started out. So that's, <laughs> Young whippersnapper. But that was it. Like, and it was like, you have a website and you get a message board on there so people can talk to each other about your music. Or, you know, exactly. I was like, I don't know if I'm big enough for a message board. I don't <laughs> I know. know about this. And, but and there, I've, uh, I feel like anytime you put, you talk about somebody like, well, the Beatles did it this way, or uh, whoever it is, even if it's somebody that wasn't that long ago, you have to look at the, the kind of constructs of the time they were in to compare, like, you know, and, and it is amazing that like a Justin Bieber or somebody like that can completely, mm-hmm. like that's sort of a miracle that somebody can yeah. overtake yeah. in every form and every, <laughs> every media, but it also, it burns out so quickly. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, we're, we're in this for the long haul. And I think the best way to do that is sort of to be the middle-class musician, to be that person who sort of, um, you know, maybe has a small but loyal following and you really just try to um do what you do well and not be all things to all people Mm -hmm. i think that's the only way that i found um i can really feel comfortable or just really enjoy doing this is not feeling beholden to a record company or to you know masses of people but just like i kind of know what i'm supposed to do and i i feel like i know who who the listener is and that's fine with me. If it never goes beyond that, I'm yeah. really fine with that. You were born into a sheltered home Full of voices shouting for control Some mistaken for the Holy Ghost You were afraid about middle class artists in general that is a little isn't completely built yet but I I keep seeing it over and over again even just middle class artists in general I feel like we when when we have something to kind of struggle against or Mm -hmm. fight towards when our standard living like is is uh, necessitated by how hard we are working and how 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 much we're being introspective and really Mm -hmm. like you know making the art that is most meaningful uh, to reach the most amount of people. I feel like that's sort of the sweet spot. It's such, but it's hard to say, because I don't want to say that if you're a, a rich artist, if you do really well, that you're yeah. not, that you aren't relevant anymore or that right. you're Right, yeah, of course But I feel not. like there is something about, you know, having to, to str- struggle against something, even if it is like, you know, paying the bills or mm-hmm. whatever it is. But if all that goes away, like, what do you have to, yeah. you know? If, you don't, if you're not, quote, riding the bus anymore, yeah. like, do you have any stories to tell? There is such a, like I, I even as I'm saying this out loud, I'm thinking of counterpoints against it. Yeah. But there, I mean, I feel like there is something 
I feel like art does does its best. Even, at least I respond to it most when it is at its lower or middle class. Yeah. You know? When there's yeah. something like, oh, man, that guy's yearning for something. Well, and I think you're right. I think it's really possible for, um, I know, many really successful artists, I mean, that make incredible music. So it's definitely possible. I just think um, sort of the, I think it's like, is it like St. Ignatius? or it's like, No, it's like the Benedictine a teaching that sort of money and power corrupt more than people more than anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think that is the th- real thing to wrestle with. Is it possible? Absolutely. But man, the more money, the more power you get, you have so many more things to wrestle with and so many more things to consider that can get in the way when you're writing a song or when you're making a record, mm-hmm. you know, you have to think, um, Am I going to sell as many as I did last time? Those things well, can just weigh on like, you. Yeah. They, they're higher. Yeah. I remember even moving here six years ago and sort of, I knew Osanga and I know a few people sort of uh, that we kind of go in the same circles and like thinking like, this is it. Like if I can just get in and sort of like, you know, do what these people are doing. And then I went, I remember going to lunch with, uh, with Andrew Peterson, Andy Osanga mm-hmm. and Jeremy Casella, mm-hmm. Case and Cooley, like this group of guys and them just being like, I like talking yeah. about the same stuff that me and my friends talk about, but they were just, they were just on, they were like, it was like juniors, like 10 years in. It, or was, something. it, was, it was like a junior sitting on at the lunch table with the seniors, but they're talking about like, they're worrying about college instead of worrying about, you know, yes. what, like the English class that, that I was, you know what, you yes. know what I'm saying? And I was like, Oh, this never goes away. There's yeah. always like, you know, now they have yeah. families. I don't yet, but they have a family, yeah. you know, they have to worry about it. and they were, or yeah, they have, they still have like a, a thing left over from their like, like uh, stuff they have to give to the record label and stuff. It's right. like just right. lingering. Yes, are, yeah. just like I still own one more one more album. I don't know yeah. what to do after that. And yeah, and I'm just feeling like, oh, this doesn't. That was a really good thing to hear early on because you sort of it's unfair, but we sort of put these like, oh, if I just get to this point, yeah, I feel like so many of these problems will go away. But there's always a new set of absolutely problems. Absolutely. Yeah, you never have it figured out. It's kind of like marriage or kids or anything else. You just think that you figure it out, and then they're in a totally new phase, and you're going, okay, now, mm-hmm. you know, God, give me the wisdom to deal with this. That's yeah. the only way it can happen. I mean... You have, wait, do you have a song about that or an album, an album title that where it's like, nobody's uh, got it figured out or something? Oh, nobody's got it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I sort of have a song about, like... I have a song on, on my new album called Nobody Gets Out Clean. And when I saw, I think I saw you play that at Escape to the Lake and I was like, yeah. oh, this is like almost more succinctly what I was trying to say. Uh, Same theme. Yeah. And it would just, that whole theme is, is a, such a, a load off sort of that, cause I feel like yeah. it's so easy to put pressure on ourselves to live up to a false standard that everybody else sort of has it together, but us. It is. <laughs> it really is. Which is so unfair. I know. I think everybody deals with it. And if, if, they, if they say that they haven't, then they're not being really honest. I mean, I think for me, I really, I realized it when, um, I, I started my career off at a rec- with record labels. And so, um, I felt a lot of pressure to, uh, to please them and to sort of, um, to be all things to everyone at the record label and oh, to man. do sort of what they, um, you know, oh, you you don't really like this song? Okay, well, let me come up with another one. Or you really want me to write with this guy? Okay, I'll do, you know. And I had enough backbone to stand up for myself a little bit, but um, when that all sort of sort of imploded, um, I think I just I just really struggled with what my place was and what I was supposed to do and, and um, what I was supposed to do with my life. And what I found was that um, the songs that resonated the most with people live at my shows were never the ones that the people at the record label picked out for the singles or that it was just so the disconnect was so um was so vast it was kind of like well you need to think about the general public you need to think about the average christian radio listener Mm -hmm. and then i would write that song and we would it would just it, it would do nothing and of course it would do nothing because it was nothing and it was about nothing for nobody Mm-hmm. You know, and the more specific we got and the more specific that I got with my writing, the more personal I got with my writing, 
those are the very things that people would respond to. And I just begin to realize, you guys are, are wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. you're actually wrong. And, um, you know, maybe there are some general songs that, that get out there that do some sort of good. But, like, that's not, that is really not what I want to be about at the end of the day. And so I started writing way more personal themes. I started writing things that were... Um, that I was afraid to write because I thought, ooh, this will be vulnerable. And of course, you know, the opposite happens. You start writing personal vulnerable things and, and exposing your, your weaknesses and people are drawn in. And you realize this is the ultimate paradox that nobody, that you have to figure out on your own. You have to figure out that by um, sharing your struggles and revealing your vulnerabilities and not pretending that you are something special, that that is when you can do... Um, that's when God can work through you. you isn't, isn't that amazing? Because that, that's so often the thing we're the most scared yeah. to get out because of like, yeah. what if I admit this thing that is truly honest to me, but I'm the only one who resonates with it? That's right. It's almost, if not almost, or it's almost, if not always, not, that's not the case. Like there's the vulnerable, as you said, like the vulnerability. That's right. Because people are drawn in by that, even if they don't resonate hundred percent with the circumstance. They, I agree. They, they resonate with the tone. Of with the tone and the sincerity. I really think that people can pick up a lot on through people's voices and, and the way that they sing and the way that they deliver. I can usually tell a lot about a person and their personality, even from just the way that they sing. And mm-hmm. that doesn't, that's not good voice, bad voice, that kind of stuff. I just mean just the way that they sing, the way that they sing, like we pick up on all that on that sincerity, I think people are a lot smarter mm-hmm. than people give them credit for. And they can tell when somebody means what they're saying and they can tell when they don't. And um, so write honestly, you know. Um, and, and and not, when I say be vulnerable, I don't think um, that means to just be shocking or to right. be... Right, Let me just pour everything. Let me be an open book. I think, <clears throat> I think it's usually... The things that are hard to write about, the things you're thinking about, the things that you're dealing with, the things that you're struggling with, the things you're doubting, the things that you're happy about, you know, write about those things. Um, and usually if it feels hard, that's a pretty good indication that maybe um, that's where you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. I always hear actors say that. I get so mad. I'm like, well, I was scared of that role and that's why I took it. Like, how many times can you hear that, you know? <laughs> that's but true. that's sort of that's what true. I'm saying, I guess. I know, it's I know. like, well, I Artists didn't really want to write that song. Annoying, but- yeah, I I always have that because I love I'm a huge pop culture nerd. I love I mean I love movies and, and TV shows and I do love actors too. And I feel like they're my friends even though they're not. But yeah. which is it's foolish and stupid, but it's silly. But it's also fun. It but is. whenever I hear an actor say like I really had to, uh, you know, I really had to work to get into this role. I'm like you were just pretending to be somebody else. Like <laughs> in the back of my head, I'm like how hard is this to pretend to I be? Know. Like, this was really strenuous. I'm like, he didn't... Even, like, people like Joaquin Phoenix or people like the full, Christian Bale who completely, like, immersed yeah. themselves. Like, that's not necessary. That's a choice. Like, right. we're still applauding you, but or think you're more brave because you yeah. you act like a jerk to your family for a month because you're shooting a movie about a guy who's a jerk. Like, that's not... Right. Like, come on. Like, you're still pretending. But that's also not respecting the craft because I know that there's more into it than but there's still I hope there is I really hope there's there still is a high loftiness it. that I'm like really like this is a little let's not talk about ourselves like which, yeah. which I thought I'm making fun of grandi like people being too highfalutin or grandiose but that's totally what like most of my podcast is just being like aren't we like I just did one with Gabe Dixon I don't know if you know him but I did one with Gabe Dixon uh, a couple of days ago and we were just like music can save the world man like we're just <laughs> And I do believe that. Even though. while we're in it, we're I like, do believe it. We're like we're just talking about how important it is that we that we that it, that we make music. You know, <laughs> we're like, yeah. and even in the back of my head, like I'm totally on board with that statement. But in the back of my head, I'm like, what are we talking about? You know, but I think that is the that's the hard thing, isn't it? To to really believe in the work and just sort of like what music can do, which I really think it does something very powerful that words can't. Words alone can't do. Yeah, you know, it just I agree. goes right to the heart. But you have to hold that very loosely with sort of like, sort of like what the Bible says is like, man, if you weren't here, the rocks and trees would cry out. So like, mm-hmm. I don't need you to do this. This is a gift that I'm giving you to be able to do this. And um, yeah, it' great that you do music. Awesome. You're not doing anything that anyone else can't do. I mean, you're doing uniquely what you do. Sure. But you have to sort of hold those two things together at the same time. 
do what you do, do your work uh, with excellence, mm-hmm. and at the same time, do it with humility. That's hard. don't have the typical artistic temperament. I would agree with that, yeah. And there are times when I've thought, maybe I should, I would be a lot more prolific if I did. (laughs) I am really boring. You need to be a diva, Jill. (laughs) I am very boring and I'm very normal and I really enjoy being normal. I don't like to be set apart. I don't like to draw a lot of attention to myself. Mm -hmm. I don't like to dress like an artist. I don't, I mean, when I was at Word, it, it would frustrate them to no end because... I would just dress like myself and I would show up and they would think I was a sales rep. The people, and they would try to order product from me. They thought I was just like a college student, you know, because I didn't have the the look. Yeah. I didn't, I just looked like the girl next door. They thought you were an intern or something. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I used, I think what was so hard about that experience for me is I was kicking back against that, pushing back against it and feeling like there was something wrong with me. And what I realized is that, no, there's not anything wrong with me. That's just who God created me. That's my personality. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to fit in, in, a, in a scenario that just didn't work for who I am. I'm much more relational. I love everyone I meet. I love people. I love to talk after shows to people. Mm-hmm. I love to talk with them about their kids or about their life. And um, I think really embracing that and being comfortable with, this is what I'm called to do. This is not for everybody. Mm. You know, this is not, I'm very glad that there are Beyonce's in the world. As you know, mm. I love Beyonce. But <laughs> that is not me. Right. That is the farthest thing for me. So I just want people to be who they are. I want people to be honestly who they are. And that has been the, the growth in me, is figuring out who I am, how to be true to who it is that God has made me to be, and do, uh, and sort of make art accordingly. And, um, yeah, that's been, that's been a real gift. And David Wilcox has this beautiful statement that's sort of been sort of a mantra for me. And I think I might've talked about this at Escape for the Lake. So if you've heard this before, I apologize. But, um, he talks about the difference between going to a concert and, and, um, trying to convince everybody that you're special and different and why like you should come see me Beyonce and pay $150 because this is going to be something you've never seen in Mm -hmm. your life. And it's amazing, and it's gonna like blow you away, which it which it will, which it did. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there's the sort of the folk singer who says, "Hey, everybody, we're all the same." And when you come to my show, you're gonna find out we're all the same. Interesting. And that is my philosophy. That is what I aspire to. That is what I adhere to. That is what feels true to me. Is to do a show and say. Hey, we're going to leave here feeling more united in our, in the things we have in common. We're going to leave here going, I am just like you. You are just like me. We may look different. We may come from different places. We Mm -hmm. may um, be different socioeconomically, racially, what have you. And we're going to come out of here feeling, hopefully, that we have a lot in common. And that is a very different philosophy than most of uh, the record industry what they what they aspire to and so well they want to sell you something like pop star wise like if you think about Beyonce or Lady Gaga like this is such a show yeah like this is something that you will you can almost not relate to and like we want this to be like 
Greek gods coming down. That's and, right. Like, you're sort of, and I mean, honestly, Beyonce does have something that you can't put your finger on. Like, she just has this thing. Well, she's insanely talented. Yeah. She's insanely talented and she's worked really hard. And so when you go, you know, there's music for different reasons, right? Yes. There's music to so dance to. That. You know, there's music to, like, oh my gosh, Ty and I, my youngest. He is such a dancer. I mean, we watched the clips from this Justin Timberlake performance mm-hmm. that I had to like make sure it was okay before I showed him. But it right. was we watch that stuff and we dance in the kitchen. We put on the music. We love to dance, and like that brings me so much joy. It brings me so much joy. I'm so glad there are people in the world that make music to dance to. Yeah, that I can just like that I can enjoy, and um, I love that. And it's not less. It's not insignificant it's no. great um but that's not what i feel like i'm supposed to do i feel right. like this is what i'm supposed to do there is something to say about that because i feel like i i've become very uh distasteful if that's the right term for the, the for the term guilty pleasure like, i don't like it because i don't i don't feel guilty about anything that i, I like either. artistically <laughs> because i really do think i think about it like i think about art specifically but music and, and even movies and stuff as as food. Like, I don't want to eat lobster every night. Like, sometimes right. I want to eat Skittles and, you know, or, or popcorn or cotton candy or a burger. Or I feel like it all sort yeah. of, like, fits. Like, I, I want enough in my sort of artistic diet to, to fit every craving yeah. or every need. And so that's why my iPod is a, a giant mess in oh, the me best too. way. Me too. Because sometimes, like, I, sometimes, like, I, I think about the what I listen to when I go to the Y and I listen to, like, the new Killers album and I'm just, yeah. like, moved by it. Absolutely. And then the other day, like, Kesha. And Katy Perry, and like, I don't care because nope. whatever it is, whatever that, whatever it is, it's gonna get hit me in that in that in that mood. And like if Absolutely. we if we just listen to people like us, or if we just listen to people all the time who are just like introspective and like let's sit and think and be thoughtful. Like I feel like we'd be sort of a boring person, as deep as that stuff is. Well, you know, and I feel like when I when I explain this to people that you know I'm like oh I love like I love pop music mm. I love pop music. I mean, yeah, there are things that aren't beneficial to me to listen to. Sure. But I love a great pop song. I love it, you know? And I feel like there's a real art to that. And to be able to have a song that makes you feel great, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, over-spiritualize everything, but that's from God. Whether they know it or not, the way music moves you and makes you feel great is, like is a gift that none of us could, like, sort of muster up on our own. It is a giant mystery. You're dabbling yeah. in some in things you don't even know, you know, when, when people are doing that, whether they acknowledge it or not. And so I don't... I think that's very... I think that's really, um, like... It, it's sort of Gnostic to think there's, like, the secular things and then there's the spiritual things. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say you don't need to be wise, obviously, about what you listen to, but this is becoming, like, really um, more... Uh, spiritual than I was no, continuing it to be, but I was thinking about, um, you know, like the books of the Bible and how diverse they are and how, um, you know, there's like Ecclesiastes, um, which is sort of like the depressed guy, you know, who's just kind of like life is meaningless. It's a chasing after the one. It's like really dark. You know, mm. I was looking at some of it this morning and it was like, um, what what good is there to life? That let's just enjoy it while you can because you're just gonna die. Interesting, you know. And so, is there space for that song in the world? Yes, you know. And then you have the Psalms, which is like crying out to God. It's like I would really like you to dash their infants on the rocks and like destroy them, you know. So you've got that. You've got um, like like worship, like praise. Is there space for that? Yes. Is there space for a love song? Obviously, there's Song of Solomon. It's like the Bible gives us permission to like write about any of these things. Mm-hmm. And so I get really been out of shape when people say um, worship is the true music or this kind of music is the true music. It's yeah. like, no, you really got that all wrong. And we, we are such, we are created to be such multifaceted beings. Like it seems a little bit offensive to not exercise the gamut, you know? I think it's, so it's, too. It, it, it's offensive to our creator. It's offensive just... In general, like, why not? Even like having sort of a petty thought, or like a, all, all these, like, if, as long as they're reined in or dealt with, like, I feel like it's it's okay. Like, it's okay to get frustrated. It's okay. All these things, yes. it, and to voice that, especially like through song or whatever. I feel like there's there's you should be 
you know, we should be thankful for that. We should, that should be celebrated as much as, you know, if you're writing, I can only imagine or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's just there, we don't need to be afraid. I think we just don't have to have a posture of fear about this stuff. Mm-hmm. We can embrace all kinds of music and, and choose for ourselves what we feel like we should listen to and not be judgmental of the other. You know, yeah. we can like we just need to get out of that. <laughs> I do want to ask you about Beyonce though, because uh-huh. <laughs> when we, we went to Escape the Lake in Wisconsin together, and I remember sitting on that on that bench watching the fireworks, and you mentioned something about going to see about you're about to go yes. see her, and then yes. uh, and then it, that was that was a few weeks ago though. Mm-hmm. What what was that experience? I want I really do want to know because I didn't get to go, but I want to know what, what that was experience like. was. It was so interesting. I went with my friends, my great friends, Katie and Samantha and uh, and Wendy, and um, we have like we're we're all great friends. Um, and one of the ways that we bond is like by dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Katie's husband, Dan, is the lead singer of Jars of Clay, and they throw this amazing um, New Year's Eve party every year where we just all dance. And it's like one of the highlights of my year. I can tell you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We look forward to this. We look forward to this. There's like like Steve DJs, and Mm. there's like a disco ball, and it is like, it is just. Amazing. Steve Mason DJs. Steve Mason DJs, and um, you have to come. Oh, that's fantastic! And it's just the best. And so we sort of, um, we so we have this love, like we we have this friendship where we can talk about anything. We can talk about Jesus. We can talk about our kids. We can dance, you know, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thing. That's amazing. And so we all wanted to go to Beyonce, Katie and Samantha love Beyonce. They have they loved her first. And <laughs> they love her best. Because she first loved her. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of joking like that that night, I have to say. Well, yeah, um, I, I would imagine that it felt sort of like going to church. <laughs> well that's how I that imagine was it. why it was so hard. It was very it was um it was really conflicting, I have to say, the experience of being there. It was so amazing. She was so above it all. Like she was so held up, you know and she did things like she danced pretty much for 2 hours and sang and just sort of like did things that i can't even begin to imagine doing like worked her butt off mm-hmm. you know and earned every bit of the money that we paid <laughs> and like really just like sort of that classic gave it 110% yeah. it was like man that was that was worth my money right yeah. there seeing this and seeing that but i have to say like um it felt like, like I, 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 the whole time when I was watching the videos in between, which are all like, basically how amazing she is, and sort of like how lucky you are to be there. <laughs> That's I, incredible. I was thinking, I couldn't, I, I don't think I could sustain this over the long term. <laughs> like I think at some point, like I think it's really hard for like any human being to live like that. I, I just think, man, how does she? Like who? What does she do in real life? Yeah, she has like, to compartmentalize. Like that who? Stuff. Are, you would have to. You would have to. Otherwise, you would just be a horrible person. But I think that's why we see so many celebrities just like losing it. Is because it, it's just it is a recipe for disaster. It's like you are held up to this impossible standard, mm-hmm. and um, and nobody can live up to that. So there was this thing of like, man, you are amazing. I love you. I love to watch you dance. I love your songs. I love your hair, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we're just having the best time, yeah. we're having the best time. And then thinking like, I'm really glad my shows aren't like this. <laughs> you should start incorporating like little videos in between your, your set. Yeah. Where I, I'm talking about how great Jill Phillips is. Well, like this is really dangerous. <laughs> like this can be really dangerous for the human heart. Like this is really a dangerous place to be, to have to, um, I don't know. But everything you hear about her as a person is she's like the greatest. Like she's I know. really sweet and genuine. And right. You really, yeah. There has to be some sort of like mantra or something she goes through that's like you know I am not I'm Beyonce but I'm not Beyonce right. <laughs> like I'm you know or I don't know. but then she's married to Jay Z and like I, I know so there's no like there's I no know. escape hey, Samantha, from it. Samantha, we've we've talked about all the different theories about this. Trust me, we're fake. Yeah. How, and and what we come to is like they must just not see each other very often. <laughs> <laughs> they you saw know? each other once in the past year, and yeah. that's when they had the kid. Right. <laughs> they yeah, scheduled like, it in. How can this work? 
Well, and the truth is, is like people are people, you know, um, they're just people. That's what Sarah Mason always says. I love that when politicians are just being like horrible Mm -hmm. and you watch TV and Sarah's just like, they're just people. All the treasure you hold, you can't take it with you. Any silver and gold, you can't take it with you. You can make yourself a name with fortune and fame, but you can't take it with you to the other side. You could build a mansions high, but you can't take it with you. All your heart and pride, you can't take it with you. All the plans you made. Sheltered and safe, you can't take it with you to the other side. I feel like we get to talk about and and sort of play in and and deal with things below the surface all the time. And that, I mean, that that sounded wrong. We're not deep all the time. I don't mean <laughs> it like that. What I'm saying is the work that you do sort of is like what a lot of people spend their lives trying to avoid, mm. you know, which is paying attention to things, paying attention, noticing what's going on. Being hyper aware of your surroundings. Being hyper aware, mm, being true. like trying to be aware of what God is teaching you, what he's saying through the people in your life, what, like talking about heart stuff, you know? So when people come to a show, they might've spent their week avoiding that very thing. They might've spent their week, um, go into their nine to five and sort of avoiding sort of what is like raging underneath this Mm -hmm. sort of surface and to be able to talk about these things and sing about these things and sort of, um, talk about these things with other people and, um, pay attention together feels like, it feels like, um, really really enjoyable, beneficial, purposeful work. You know, it feels like a gift. Yeah, I forget that all the time. Yeah. But it is a thing that I personally take for granted. It's like, oh, no, like I don't – I get to be one of these people who who gets to take in my surroundings all the time and and think about under the surface all the time, which I love. I love that. I mean, I sort of – I'm flailing. I'm horrible at small talk, and I'm much better at just being like, so what's going on with this thing? You know, like I was thinking about so-and-so. Like I dived in deep straight all the yeah, time. Yeah. Cause so. you're used to playing in those waters all, all the time. Yeah. You know, and, and you kind of have the gift of bringing other people into that. And I mean, it's not our job to do any of the transforming, you know, that's no, something no, no, no. beyond us, but you can invite people in. Mm-hmm. You can sort of extend the invitation to like, Hey, we can talk about this together. We can think about this together. We can leave here. We can here. bring it to the surface we or can... you can come with us underneath. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. It feels really, it feels really purposeful. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I do want to ask a couple of things before we wrap this up. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Okay. Here's a good one. What's a song that you wish uh, you sang instead of someone else? Ooh. Like if you uh. could change the course of time and be like, this would be my song. Oh gosh. Um... <laughs> I think about that all the time when, I'm, when I hear a song and I'm like, oh, what if like I wrote that, went back and wrote it before them? Yeah. Like, to- <laughs> yeah, totally. I love, I mean, as far as just like singing, like outright singing, it's been so overdone now because of darn American Idol. Mm. But um, gosh, that Bonnie Raitt song that my, uh, that, what's his name? I Can't Make You Love Me? Yes. I, I, that's one of the ones that came to my head. Man. That's one of my favorite songs I know. Ever. What's his name? Mike, um... The guy who wrote it. I used to wait wait tables oh, really? for him at Green Hills Grill. Um, just, yeah, one of the best songs. I'm going to look it up because I need to know. Yeah, he used to come in the place I used to um, wait tables all the time. So did Susanna Haas of the Bangles. I waited no. on Susanna Haas of the Bangles. Wait, does she live here? No, but I waited on her and I I could not have been happier. She Mike was, Reed? Yeah, Mike, Mike Reed. Reed. Yeah, Mike Reed. Yeah, Susanna incredible Hoffs? songwriter. Susanna Haas. That's awesome. I know. 
She ordered penne pasta and got a Sprite to drink. I'm just saying. Isn't it was funny how a you remember that kind of ago, But yeah, I remember. Was she just in town and just came I by, guess. I think? Okay. She must have been. Because if she's in this town, I'm going to have to have her on this podcast. I don't think That'd she's in this town. I don't think but she's uh, she was by herself. She was eating by herself. Wow. I think. So, yeah. Do you, do you have, is there anybody else that sticks out like that? Oh, like people that I wait, that I waited on mm-hmm. or, um, I remember waiting on Kevin Max and his wife and, uh, remember from DC talk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, um, and he was really, he was really nice. I remember that his wife had a lot of like, had a lot, like she had a lot of like special orders, but we did that a lot at Green Hills Grill because in Green Hills people, um. Oh, they're people a specific for, group. They, people ask for things the way they like them. They sure do. I and actually they get them that way too. Had a lady like bring a little scale and set it on the table and like weighed everything I brought out to her <laughs> and told me, "No, that's not enough almonds. No, that's oh not my enough. Gosh. Whatever. Just make it at home. <laughs> if you're going to go through that trouble, oh, it was it was interesting. If somebody, if a lady is bringing a scale to a restaurant, I would say that she might have other problems. <laughs> Besides her uh, dietary intake. Oh, man. Um, there might be something underneath that she's not dealing with. I learned a lot waiting tables. We talked about this. Did we? We talked about how when oh, yeah, when yeah. people are unkind to serve, uh-huh. or like, because were we busting the table mm-hmm. at yep. Escape for the Lake? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know when somebody's waited tables, if they're busting the table, or like helping yeah. sort of put the plates in and a certain order And I asked, like, did you wait tables? Because it, it does, and nothing is, because not everybody can work a, a you know, as a waiter or waitress, but it's, you get humbled really quick. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't care if you do it for a day, you never eat at a restaurant the same way again. No, never, never. Mm-hmm. I tip so well. So well. <laughs> I, sometimes like I, I went out with my parents this past week and, and, uh, my dad was like, I'll get it. And I was like, well, let me leave the tip. And I told it 50%. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, you yeah. know, and if there's and if they're sweethearts, you yeah. want to do it more. But even if they're not, you're like, I understand. I've had I've been yes. a waiter and had a bad day. Yes. So and you've had to count on that money that you're taking home that night. I know. We don't know people's circumstances, That's no matter right. how sort of like rude we think they are, and it really it really does change your heart. It does. It does. It's crazy. <laughs> it does. It sure does. Because there is sort of a low lowest common denominator in the service industry, like that. Like You're unseen. You're so an unseen true. person. I know. There's only one lower than that, and that's the busboy, which I never had to do. But I know. I, you often have to bust your own tables when you. We had. I think wait. we had to bust our own tables. Yeah. Well, I don't want to keep you forever, uh, but I do want to ask if if, uh, if you have any <laughs> particularly humorous or entertaining uh, bad show stories, be it something oh, you said on stage or just the situation that you were put in. I remember one. I mean, gosh, there's so many. I'm trying to think of what I can say on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just going to say it because it yeah, was said in like do. complete innocence, right? It was said yeah. in complete innocence. But I said <laughs> from stage, <laughs> I think it was at the Union, which is like outside of Chicago. Andy and I are playing mm-hmm. there. And it was just like a particularly kind of quiet crowd. And I said, Andy, we're folking them to sleep. <laughs> and we just... We both just looked at each other. That's not bad. I don't know. And, but he just started dying laughing. Like laughing at me, <laughs> pointing at me like, ah. <laughs> well, Jill, thank you so much Thanks, for, for inviting me into your lovely home. Thank you. And that will do it for episode 49 of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Next week is episode 50, the big five O. I can't believe we've done this many episodes. Uh, Next week, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. It's going to be a little bit of a switcheroo from the normal format, but I think you're going to enjoy it. I hope you will at least uh, a little special treat for number 50. So uh, if, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jill Phillips. If you'd like to hear more of her music, you can do so by searching Jill Phillips on iTunes. Uh, and really, you can't go wrong. Um, she's putting out some amazing albums, so anything you get is going to be great, as you heard on this episode today. So thank you guys for listening, and uh, for who writes this stuff, I'm Nick Flora. Go do something creative. Mm-hmm.